Welcome to the Love Letters and Mixtapes podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This is my very first episode, and I thought it would be really appropriate and in alignment to talk about creativity and courage. And here I am, I'm not creating some amazing piece of fine art, but I am creating a podcast and I'm putting myself out there on a platform to be consumed by nameless, faceless people and having the courage to do that because it just does not come naturally for me, even though I've wanted to do this for a long time and I actually really felt that this was a medium I wanted to participate in. And there were a few things that held me back. I mean, just the idea of putting something out there and having no control over it, putting something out there and maybe it's not perfect, um, putting something out there and maybe people really won't like it, (laughs) which is definitely a possibility. But also, as I was researching how to create a podcast, I just kept coming across things that I don't know, didn't really fit for me. Everyone kept saying, you have to have a niche. You have to have some kind of algorithm that you can fall into. And if you don't have a niche and if you don't have a model of the perfect listener and the perfect pain point that you're going to address, your podcast will go nowhere. And I know that because I also freelance. I do a lot of creative and branding work and you know, worked in marketing. And I understand all that. And I still wanted to be creative as a person who does not fall into a niche category. And I still felt like it was worthwhile to put something out there and create a conversation around it. So that's what I'm going to do. And as I was thinking about that, I was also thinking about how that tied in to if I don't have a niche, how do I monetize it? How do I turn this into a hustle? How do I how do I, you know, all the how do I's kept coming up. And I thought, well, how does that change creativity? How does that have an impact on my ability to show up, what I want to talk about, how I engage? And I kind of just put that down. I'm sure I'll have advertisers on Anchor and I think that that's beautiful, but I'm actually not going to focus on that and worry about that. I have my whole professional life to worry about monetizing myself I wanted a creative space where I didn't have to do that. Does that work? Is that valuable? We'll see. There seems to be a pretty clear formula for how to be successful. But then again, who says creativity and success have to go hand in hand? What about just creating to create? I think that that's pretty powerful too. And I don't know that all of us are designed for mass consumption. Think about the things that are perfect for mass consumption in this world. Does that seem like you? Because it doesn't seem like me, and I'm actually pretty okay with it. But when I think about that, I think about um, just sort of the convergence of perfectionism and imposter syndrome. And I know that you can talk about that, and it might seem a little strange to people that those two would go together, but they very much do in my world. They both have a very powerful and loud script in my head. Perfectionism says, if it's not a dissertation or a New York Times-worthy article, it shouldn't even be an Instagram post. And that seems ridiculous. (laughs) 
Um, because that's that shouldn't be what it's about. It should just be about expressing yourself and being creative and being in the moment. My imposter syndrome says, you're a fraud. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how much experience you have. You're a fraud. No one wants to listen to you. You have nothing worthwhile to say. And everyone's going to know that you're fake, that you know, you're not worth listening to, that you have nothing to say, that you're actually taking up space on this platform and you should get out of here so someone else can do it. That's a loud voice. And I don't know if you, whoever is listening right now, has ever struggled with imposter syndrome, but it's crippling. It can keep you really small the way perfectionism does. Um, and just remind you in every moment that you don't belong here and no one wants you here. And listen, even if that's true, <laughs> too bad. You know, um, I'm allowed to take up space and I, I feel like that might be the theme of the year is it's okay to take up space. The world is a beautiful place and you belong here. Allowing yourself to be misunderstood, misinterpreted, allow yourself not to be liked or easily digested, or just to be yourself? And can you create and release that control when you publish an article or, or put out a piece of art or a painting? There comes a point when you're done, you're done the editing process and you release it. And you can't go back and edit just because someone comes up and says, I don't like that. You know, that color makes me so angry. Why did you do that? Or you have to just trust and that it's okay. It's okay to be misunderstood. It's okay if you bring up big emotions. That is not the same as harming people. Just bringing up emotion, having people reflect on their own experiences based on your art or something you create, that's a beautiful process. And maybe all this tailoring to an algorithm or a niche is stepping away from that, stepping away from giving us something to think about and reflect on our own experiences. I know that great art has always done that for me. And it reminds me not to judge my own creative process so much. And whether that's creativity in the workplace, in a creative space, or even in relationships or life decisions, like to not judge that process of how does something come to the surface for me? Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay if it's messy or inconvenient, or not the way I planned. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, the flaws are part of it. That's the poetry. And that's by Miroslav Tishi. And I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name and someone can let me know if I did. But I always love that. I, I'm passionate about photography. I'm passionate about writing. And I think about that all the time because the flaws are part of it. That's what makes it special. That's what makes it resonate. And <clears throat> to trust in your own flaws, not just the flaws of other people that seem really cool or edgy or interesting, but my own flaws, you know, my self-consciousness, my imposter syndrome, my perfectionism, my fear. My fear is probably my greatest flaw. And how does that contribute to the things that I create? And how does it amplify it? I traveled to Madrid by myself many years ago. I just, in the middle of the night, bought a ticket to Spain and I went, which is a whole other episode of why I did that. 
But I remember thinking, I just want to immerse myself in art for the whole week. I'm just going to go to these amazing museums. I'm just going to see the, the pieces I've always wanted to see in person. And I remember walking through the Reina Sofia for like the fifth time that week. And I was going to see Picasso's Guernica. And trust me, I understand he's deeply problematic. Um, but the art piece had always been of interest to me. And I wanted to see it in real life. And I did. And I saw it. And I was in front of it. And I could just feel the energy just palpitating off <laughs> the canvas. It was very powerful and so beautiful. And I was so happy to be there alone and to just absorb it. But the most interesting thing about that piece was how they had every single sketch he made and every single tiny canvas he made. For me, that just reminded me that creativity is not just the final product. It's the whole process. And usually it's a pretty messy birth. And I think about that just in relation to a real life birth. You're creating something and, and you think you know what's on the other side, but it might be way more than you bargained for and have way more meaning and be so much more beautiful. And the process may be messier and more painful than you had anticipated. And that makes sense to me. And I think about the creative process, even in a life cycle, you have that messy birth, you have a the tantruming child phase of your creativity where, you know, you're the two-year-old constantly screaming, no, <laughs> you know, you have the rebellious teenage phase of your creativity where you're just, I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast. Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. I start every single morning with a cup of their Fire on the Mountain organic coffee blend. And if you're anything like me, and you're particular about what you eat and drink and how it's sourced, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee a taste. Head to their website, Snake River Roasting co.com and use the code coffee love at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That has been shown to you by an authority figure. And then you have the awkward and adventurous young adult phase, which is wonderful. I mean, every phase is wonderful, but that's great where you just really test your own boundaries and say, you know, who am I in this creative process? And after that, you kind of walk into your maturity and confidence and how powerful that is and how different that would have been if you just immediately after birthing your creative process just arrived at this mature adult phase. And you would have missed out on all those other stages and the transformations that they also held in those moments. And I wouldn't give that up for anything, even if they are uncomfortable. That always reminds me of being mindful in how I respond to my own creativity. 
you know, I could get really self-conscious about it because I have friends and family members who are artists. That is their profession. And how dare I, someone who makes a lot of money throughout my career by sitting in a quiet room typing words for other people. (laughs) So how do I allow myself to be creative in the shadow of that? You know, and how do I nurture it? How do I say it's okay? We're all allowed to be creative. And isn't my life so much more amplified when I allow for that creative process? And it also reminds me as I'm being gentle with myself in that creative process and nurturing myself to do the same for others. I mean, isn't that such a great template? If I can hold space for myself and be gentle with myself and and kind of giggle about it. Like I am a creative person. It's just flowing out of me sometimes. Like why not? And trust that other people are like that as well. And I can respond to them. I can support them. Something you see a lot on social media is people really supporting famous people or people they don't know and buying their products and liking and commenting on their posts and sharing it. And I just think you probably have 10 creative people in your life at any given moment who are absolutely struggling to get their product out there and get their art out there or their their creativity or their genius idea. And what would it look like if we just turned our attention to our sort of inner circle and just amplified what they do? Didn't ask for bro rates. <laughs> you know, we honored people's creativity and celebrated them and celebrated living artists. You know, I think that that's a really important thing as well. You have a lot of friends probably in your circle or near to you who are creating art and maybe that's the art we need to be celebrating right now. I love that idea and it's something I want to always remind myself of and really show up for the people in my life who are being creative and putting themselves out there and telling them that it's okay. And when I tell them that it's okay, it kind of inspires them to say that to the next person. And what kind of chain reaction would that have? I don't want creativity to just be seen as one aspect of someone's personality or just one skill, because I see it as a culmination of every part of me. It's a filter layered with experience and perception and all of my stories that I carry within me that influence what I create and put into the world. Is there anything better than that? I mean, that's authenticity. That's pretty raw. Even if it's messy or uncomfortable or I don't particularly like it, I mean, that's what's fueling my creativity. And And maybe that fuels my courage too, the courage to get it wrong, to do something poorly, the courage to not be liked, to make a mistake, the courage to be ahead of my time. I mean, that takes a lot of courage and that goes for everyone. We almost, creativity is seen as, well, if you're not a Grammy winning musician, you're not a creative. No, even if you just put out your one song on Spotify, You are creating something and it does require courage, probably even more if you're not getting the accolades and the money and the reminders, you know, sort of the benchmarks that we think make something okay or acceptable. It's important to feel like you can still just put it out there 
and to have that channel of expression. I mean, how much different would the world be if people, if that was a given that everyone was allowed to express and express and create poorly and, and that's okay. And our first instinct isn't to mock them or make fun of them or critique them. I think that sometimes there's a little confusion about critiquing. It almost seems like it is in itself an art form, and it it really isn't. There's a huge difference between being a creative and being a critic. And I think about that all the time. I mean, it's almost the difference between creation and destruction. And I know that for my personality, most of you don't know me, I am I am a creative. I am a creator. It is not <laughs> it is not my my energy, my pattern, my habit to destroy anything. I am all about building things up. And if even through that something gets destroyed, it's still my energy to make something new out of what's left over. And I, yeah, I, I've noticed that a lot. I've noticed on social media, um, and that's okay. I, mean, I guess it's a great place to put all our thoughts out there, but I would almost measure it. Like, am I creating something in ratio to how often I am critiquing something? And how does allowing myself to create inform? my ability to critique with compassion and perspective. I don't know. There it is. The courage to create and the courage to get it wrong. I hope that lands with you this week and I hope that you take something from it. Thank you so much for being here for my very first episode. I appreciate you so much. Please make sure to follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform, and you can check out the playlist I put together for this episode on Spotify. I will label it with episode number one, and you can always follow me at Love Letters and Mixtapes on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you, even if you are critiquing me. (laughs) Um, Again, thank you for being here and have a beautiful week.